0: a key to success like this easy button where you're like hey here's the secret this is how you operate at this level you practice so much that your brain can anticipate things and you can kind of predict based on the information that you have what the outcome's going to be and the only way to get to that state where you can do that well is by repetition coming from flying the F16 for over seven years and then going to the Thunderbirds, I felt like I was starting over. Like I was trying to learn something that felt so difficult initially. Um, My brain just couldn't keep up, right? You would get what Mm. we always call a helmet fire, which is where you feel like your brain's just like, smoke would be coming out of your ears if it could because your (laughs) brain is just over task saturated. You're just overloaded. Um, But with time and repetition, you got to the point where you could make very thought out decisions in very short amount of time yeah so we're well aware for sure of the fatalities that have happened in the past it's kind of one of those things that especially with the Thunderbirds it's openly talked about you know in the history of the team because part of it is that the commander really wants everyone to understand how big of a deal it is for you to wear that patch on your chest and what has gone into it, blood, sweat, and tears and lives, things can go wrong. You're a single pilot in an aircraft, you're flying at very high speeds, there's not a lot of room for air. And then you go to the Thunderbirds and you're flying at just as fast as speeds, if not faster, in a much less forgiving environment. Mm. But you can go unconscious and hopefully you wake back up in time to recover the aircraft before it impacts the ground, right? And not everyone has. There have been fatalities, even in that setting, doing that thousands of feet above the ground. Um, so can I put that in perspective, you know, as a fighter pilot in a gray squadron, which is, you know, a combat squadron where the aircraft are painted gray, we might do a high G turn up at 10,000 feet or higher. And so there's always this risk when you're pulling nine Gs of G locking and G locking is a G induced loss of consciousness so that's when so much pressure is being put on your body that it's stronger than your heart's ability to pump blood to your brain and so the blood gets forced out of your head and you black out and for people that have seen top gun they have a g-lock scene um, in the movie Mm. so that already sounds serious and dangerous right and now go to the thunderbirds as the left solo one of the maneuvers that i flew was the max turn and that is pulling up to nine g's i wouldn't sustain it for the full 360 degrees but i was anywhere between seven and a half and nine that whole time and now my minimum altitude is 100 feet so compare 100 feet to 10,000 oh feet okay if a g-lock was to happen there's zero recovery chance it's over so you're just in such a high repercussion environment you are well aware how dangerous it is you try not to think about it you do get desensitized to it you get used to doing it but occasionally you know you'll have something unexpected happen you might have a close call especially you're flying i would fly as close as three feet Um, from other airplanes the diamond pilots which are number one through four um, I was number five and number six at different points on the team they get as close as 18 inches from each other and they're traveling at over 300 miles an hour when they're doing that so holy you know you can hit turbulence someone can make an unexpected slight deviation there there are things where, like okay that was a little bit close for comfort and it does make you think of how serious of a business you're in but you also are the best trained at it in the world you you practice an insane amount. There's so much repetition that goes into it. Um, When you're learning, there is a time period where you really, really have to push yourself to kind of overcome your natural survival instinct, which makes you wanna just get out of that formation, get away from that other airplane, climb higher above the ground, and you have to force yourself into these uncomfortable environments. But your skill level does catch up, your comfort level catches up, which is pretty remarkable, I think. And you get pretty comfortable in that setting, but there is no doubt that it is dangerous. I can tell a story about a near miss, I guess, that really demonstrates that if you want. Yeah, go for it. it. Uh, So try to explain this as simply as possible. On the Thunderbirds we do as solos, which is what I was. I was the opposing solo and eventually the lead solo. We do something called opposing passes, which is basically, it looks like a game of chicken to the audience. The two jets are flying straight at each other and at show center, They flip 90 degrees to go put their wing up and they pass. And to the audience who's down on the ground looking up, it looks like the airplanes are like overlapped with each other. They look like they're going to hit. In actuality, and we call that a good hit and we want a good hit, but actually our jets are, you know, maybe 50 to 80 feet apart, depending on the day. So we are decently far away from each other. Keep in mind we're each flying at about 500 miles an hour. So we always say we have a thousand miles an hour of combined closure towards each other. So things are happening very fast. Um, We would be at a two mile point where I would be two miles from the center point where we wanna cross and the other jet would be two miles from the center point on his side. And it would only be 14 seconds later before we crossed. So that gives you a concept of we, it took us about 14 seconds to go two miles. Um, So as the lead solo at the time, We were doing what we call the imposing inverted, which is where I was flying upside down about 150 feet off the ground. And the other jet was coming at me. And as we crossed, I would make a radio call where I would flip right side up and he would flip upside down. And that would happen right at the show center point. That's that's how it's supposed to work. So I was on my second year on the team. So I was the instructor. I was the one upside down and number six was a new solo he was new to the team and it was training season so i was teaching him this maneuver he had been doing fine but much like all of us when we were new he was too far away and so when you're too far away the hit doesn't look good to the crowd right like you can tell Mm. one jet looks smaller than the other it takes away the whole effect and so you're constantly when someone's new, you're encouraging them like, okay, you gotta get closer. And that kind of goes with overriding that survival instinct because it's not natural to get closer when you're pointed straight at another jet at 500 miles an hour. Um, And so we had some safety contracts that we would use to make sure we didn't hit each other. And how that worked is I as the lead solo owned one side of a show line. And so imagine an air show where the show line is just a runway. So you're in the crowd, you see a runway out in front of you, that's where all the jets are doing their maneuvers. I would Mm. owe the side closest to the audience. Number six would own the side further away from the audience. If something happened where our timing was really off, we lost visual of each other, so all of a sudden you're like, where'd the other jet go? Which could happen because it's a small airplane and it's pointed straight at you, it's hard to see, especially because it's painted white. You would just move to your side. And so instead of having this nice, close, impressive hit to the audience we would be far away but we would be safe and that's you know the ultimate goal is to do this safely so that was our contract so i'm upside down um, we're approaching each other and i can see his jet in my display which is what i look through where my airspeed l2 all that stuff is i'm hanging in the harness right my braids hanging out the back of my helmet the waist um, belt is the only thing like holding me in upside down and normally <laughs> his aircraft would be right in the middle of my display. And as he got closer, it would be very last minute where it would start to move and go past me. I realized that he is not moving. He's exactly in the center of my heads up display and he has not drifted at all towards his side. And so I realized that he is not offsetting as much as he needs to. He's been too far away and he's about to be way too close, like going to hit me too close. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, We have a contract for this. I need to move my jet towards my side of the line, the safe side of the line that I own, which is towards the crowd. However, I'm A upside down, where left is now right, and we are out over a training range north of Las Vegas, where it's just brown desert. There is no crowd out there. Our show line is not a runway. It's a bunch of Connex containers, like shipping containers from the back of a truck lined up. The right side of it and the left side of it look identical it's just flat brown dirt and so while i'm hanging upside down i suddenly have this realization that i am not 100 percent sure what side of the line is mine and i know if i move my jet with my rudder so i like move it left or right without banking my wings if i move it to the wrong side we're both gonna move last second to the wrong to the same side we're gonna hit each other like that's that is the highest risk area and so I make a decision to not move and all of this decision making and thought process and everything happens in maybe two seconds and so i hold my spot and last second i see i'm upside down right so he's going to pass under the belly of my airplane where i can't see him because i can't see through the floor of the airplane so i see him coming see him coming his jet gets very very big and then i see him start to roll his wings as he disappears and i don't say anything i'm supposed to make a radio call there for us to flip positions. i don't say anything because mm-hmm. i'm in like shock right now i'm like oh well we didn't hit oh each other gosh. i'm still alive <laughs> we're still good and i roll up right and eventually i make the radio call for us to clear the line um it took me a second to regroup we ended up flying the rest of the flight we did a bunch of other maneuvers we still trained for like 30 more minutes we went home we landed I met him on the ramp as we got out of our jets. And before I could even say anything, he was just like, I am so sorry. He knew what he had done. He, it also scared him. He scared himself. Um, Mm. He never did that again. Um, It kind of became the running joke that, you know, he had been too far away for so long. He had found the inner limit. So now he should have some boundaries. He needs to be somewhere between the two. Mm. Um, We watched the tapes, which is where we could see the recording of the heads up display. And the t- the camera's not great, so you couldn't really see his jet until it got really close. And when it got close, I've never seen another aircraft that big recorded on that camera in my entire career. And I've oh my gosh. I've done dogfighting where you're behind someone gunning them, and you have a 500 foot restriction for training just for safety reasons. And we were much closer than that. And when you're doing that, you're going the same direction. We're going opposite directions at 500 miles an hour each. I will never know how close our Airplanes got to each other, but really damn close. If we had right. hit each other, it would just have been game over for both of us.